trying something new It might not be so good But we're stuck inside and we might all die So let's try a new hobby That wasn't even anywhere close to the chords But it doesn't matter because it's a new hobby <laughs> Yes! Welcome to Friends with Niche Hobbies A podcast where we try a new hobby every week And we get kind of okay at them I'm Kate, the one who has been airlifted out of a hiking trip and I'm Jude, the one who made everyone call me Ralph in third grade because I had a hat with that on it. I forgot all about that. I know, it's like my first trans identity moment. I'm going to be Ralph. What a, what a... I completely forgot about that, What a that, moment. Yeah, I think I made my best friend also... Oh my god, what did she call? Like, obviously it wasn't as important what her name, what her boy name was because I'm like, I'm Ralph. Everything's coming together for Ralph. What a time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the world is on fire. Uh, have you been paying attention to how things are going? It's just, there's just a lot to pay attention to, I feel there like. There is, yeah. I mean, cases are spiking where I am. I think things are basically back like back to normal where you are. Yeah, so we've generally been pretty lucky. The town that I live in is sort of a vacation spot. So in July, we saw quite a spike. And then we've been a little bit cautious since then. Cases are pretty much leveling off. I think there's maybe two people in the hospital. Which obviously isn't good, but it could be a lot worse. So fingers crossed that that trend continues. Yeah. And I mean, we're having the same like spike. I feel like a lot of countries that were able to lower the, like flatten the curve Mm -hmm. and are now seeing the second wave. It's a lot of younger people. So less hospitalization. But we're also recording this a couple of weeks after Canadian Thanksgiving. And we've all kind of seen when holidays happen. Long weekends, it, it just spikes everything up. Yeah. yeah, so this Sunday will be two weeks since Canadian Thanksgiving. That's sort of the timeline that we tend to be watching for. So fingers crossed it doesn't get too crazy. And in addition to that, our province is also in the middle of an election. So ah. next Saturday is official voting day, but obviously lots of people are advanced voting. So that's kind of top of mind. And although we are not Americans, people like to say when America sneezes, Canada catches the cold. So mm. we're keeping a pretty close eye on what's going on down there as well. In addition to general life stuff. Absolutely. I mean, we have seen spike cases of some racial hate and Mm -hmm. just not great stuff throughout our country, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate because Canada at this time is also working to unpack uh, its colonialist history or uh, trying to. I mean, I don't think any of these things happen especially gracefully. And so it it is unfortunate to have. Some people seem to have been emboldened by the recent uh, unfortunate actions that are happening in the state. So we hope that wherever you are, that you are safe and that if you have a bad opinion about somebody else because of their background, like maybe take a moment to make some pie for yourself and put some humble, humble fruit in that. Bake some humble yeah. into that. Bake some humble into that pie. Okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Have you voted yet or are you going to do it in person? We are going to do it in person, mainly because we just didn't get our act together to vote remotely. So, yeah. So, Saturday, I've locked off voting day and, uh, yeah, get it done and then have a glass of wine to celebrate exercising that democracy, right? Yep. I have to vote in person because my voter card came under my birth name. And oh, my really? And legally changed for over a year. Yeah. Um, 
which I kind of expected from the federal government because I didn't, I kind of like messed up on some of my federal shifts that, because apparently the province and the country don't talk to each other, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it is, it's a provincial election. So I was kind of like, <laughs> I literally changed, I have a birthday, I got a birth certificate from you and a certification that I changed my name. Like where did, what happened here? What's going on? But mm-hmm. uh, I feel super excited. And like my voting station is, I think like three bla- blocks away from my house. My household will just suit up in our hazmat suits and uh, enter the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ours is close by as well. I think it's walking distance. So mate, walk the dog over and then each take a turn going in. Yeah. Speaking of walking, we are very excited for this week's hobby, which is geocaching. I'm sorry, were you trying to do a drum roll for effect and I just went in there? Yeah, I mean, still, it's fine. <laughs> I'm also drumming on like a towel to try and dampen the, the uh, echo, so. We're doing geocaching <laughs> and it was absolutely amazing. Jude is clearly, you know, not showing his cards at all about his emotions about geocaching. I wear my heart on my sleeve. That's my vibe. (laughs) Where's the lie? No lies here. Dishonesty. What the what? What is geocaching and how do you do it? So geocaching is described as a global hide-and-go-seek game, which I find very weird because I've never played hide-and-go-seek with inanimate objects. Essentially, what you're actually doing is it's like it's a treasure hunting game, super low stakes, you find small waterproof containers with like a little log book in it or a scrap of paper and these really tiny ones that are super enjoyable to find. And maybe some random weird little tokens. There seem to be more like lore in the geocaching world about some of these. But the ones that I found were all like really sweet things that had obviously been placed there by kids like crayons and stickers and cool rocks. It's like a super fun family friendly thing to do. Obviously, you're looking for a geocache, which is something that someone else has hidden. So there are lots of rules when they do hide these. So let's quickly go through them. So you kind of understand when you're looking for, like, what these geocaches, where they should be. So they always have to obey local laws. Uh, You have to get permission to place the geocache. So it's probably not going to be, like, buried under someone's foundation. And you have to choose your location super wisely. So it has to be a minimum distance from other geocaches, which is about 500 feet or so, with the exception of non-physical or, like, virtual caches. Like Mm -hmm. trailheads are sometimes them, parking coordinates, things like that. It has to be accessible in the long term. The caches have to be available for most of the week. So you can't put them in like an antique store that's only open once a day. And no contact can be required. So the geocachers cannot have to contact the owner or anyone else. Mm -hmm. It's super important. And you should stay safe whenever you do any of these things. You can't bury it. So you're not going to be digging up anyone's property. Next point, you can't do any property damage when you put your geocache in. There's a general chill rule about leaving flora and fauna and the environment alone. So nothing that you should have is going to be, again, needing you to tromp through endangered flowers. You should be able to, to fully access it without doing any damage. I have to stay away from restricted areas. So sorry, no geocaches in Chernobyl. Or Area 51. Or Area 51. Oh my God, wouldn't that be amazing? And it's super easy to, like, to do. Basically, there's an app called Geocaching. It's on Android and Apple phones. Uh, You open up that app, you turn on the location tracking, and then you check out the geocaches in your area. There are descriptions and hints for each geocache. You click on the one you want to go to. You can hit track it with your phone. You look like kind of a funny person. If you're like me and you walk around with your phone kind of held out in front of you, like what are those rods, those like water rods that use to find? Binding rods? Yes. It's (laughs) your phone is this 21st century divining rod taking you 
to the geocache and you find the geocache there's always a logbook in it you can fill your name out or you don't have to you can just literally say that you found it in the app and you get a little smiley face there and we would love this it is an optional it's not part of geocaching but we would love it if you took a photo of the cache that you found and you send it to us so that we can share it because i think that would be because i found some really cool ones i don't know about you but they're all over the place and there's some really creative people out there making some great geocaches yeah, I actually saw one on Instagram because now I follow geocaching on Instagram. And it was like the trail head marker arrow and it slid open and the geocache was behind the trail sign. So obviously the park itself had put it there, yeah. but that was pretty, uh, pretty epic in my opinion. Yeah, uh, there were some really cool ones. Uh, all the ones that I found that were in public areas were generally on community boards. So it was obvious because like you have to have like legal permission for public property. So obviously something like a community board, there's already the expectation that you're going to post something there. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the ones that I found were on private property. Well, they were on the public property. of So essentially if it's like there's a yard and then the sidewalk and then the other side, that's like before the road, mm-hmm. that kind of gap greenery space. I found a couple in there. Yeah. And they would generally like their descriptions are very specific, you know, like they might ask for you not to come at a certain time. And they also might be like firm with you like it's not on the private property so they're very aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. and you should always look for the description they should always say that they have the permission of the owner or that they are the owner of the land yeah the ones i found were on like a park sorry no no it's fine i i was unsure about the park ones because i think you can probably get away with a lot more stuff in a park i don't think people really care if you put your permit in on that and the one that i found in a park was definitely the one that i most had to work for like I had to get off the beaten track for it whereas the ones that are kind of more urban are they're constricted by the private and public property of a city which I I really enjoyed because I'll talk about a little bit during our accessibility but it meant that they were like essentially off of the sidewalk it was really they were still hard to find but Mm -hmm. you weren't like is it up a tree is it buried in the ground the one that I found under a bridge like I literally I scavenged every part of that bridge to try and find it yeah, and another point, I don't know if you came across this, but a lot of things I was reading, the descriptions of the ones I was looking for, referred to muggles, which are, did you come yeah. across that? Yeah, which are I people did, yeah. who are not, if you're familiar with the Harry Potter universe, muggles are non-magic people in that series, um, but in this case, it's people who are not geocachers, so they sort of t- say, you know, make sure when you're pulling it out that no muggles see you, and a lot of them are placed in such a way that you won't just accidentally come across them. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the parks, I think that's why they can be a little bit harder to find. So yes, thank you for talking about what geocaching is. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of geocaching. Uh, so geocaching, as Jude mentioned, is an outdoor recreation activity. Um, using GPS, global positioning systems, to hide and seek containers called geocaches or caches. I still am very frustrated by the fact they call them hide and seek containers. You have you have some feelings about that, I I'm have sure. some feelings. Geocaching was originally similar to a 106-year-old game, Letterboxing, which used clues and references to landmarks embedded in different stories, which I think is super cool. Geocaching was conceived shortly after the removal of selective availability from the global positioning on May 2nd, 2000. So prior to that, my understanding is that you could only access GPS if you had like a reason to or a permission to. And uh, on May 2nd, 2000, they sort of made it more available to everybody, which is what we have pretty much always grown up on. In 2000, I was 10 and you were eight. So obviously weren't really into geocache or GPSing at that time. So as far as I think we both remember, we've just been able to use it whenever we want. Yes? Yes. I feel like the only thing that we were aware of uh, at a time was the fact we could make geocities, 
websites. Ooh, throwback. Nostalgia. <laughs> yes, and because this availability to GPS allowed for the accuracy to hide small containers and specifically uh, locate them. So the first documented placement of a GPS located cache took place on May 3rd, 2000. So if your listing comprehension is good, that is the day after GPS was you know, available to everybody. And it was placed by Dave Almer of Beaver Creek, Oregon. So within three days, the cache had been found twice. And according to his message, um, David said the cache was a black plastic bucket that was partially buried and contained software, videos, books, money, a can of beans, and a slingshot. Very delightful and random collection of items. The geocache and most of its contents were unfortunately eventually destroyed by a lawnmower, of all things. And the can of beans is the only item salvageable. Uh, it was then turned into a trackable item called the original can of beans. And a trackable item is something that moves from geocache to geocache um, and is tracked. People record being able to find it. So that's kind of cool. In that spot that the original geocache was, there is another geocache currently and a plaque called the original stash tribute plaque. That's kind of cool. Yeah, super rad. The activity was originally referred to as G a GPS stash hunt or GPS stashing. Um, it was changed shortly after <laughs> because stash could have a negative connotation like drugs stash, I assume. Or yeah, mustache is just- or like, yeah, a mustache. That's what I thought, stashing okay. up. There are several different types of geocaching at this thought, uh, or geocaches themselves, I mean. I just thought I'd touch on a few of them. A traditional cache is the most common, which is just a container with a logbook, as you discussed uh, in history. Exact coordinates where the cache is located are given to you. So you don't have to like figure out anything. It's just, here's the coordinates, go find it. A multi-cache is one that is a similar idea, but it consists of one or more stages. So you find one stash or one cache and then use clues from it to find the next one. Mystery or puzzle caches require um, you to solve, uh, to discover information or solve a puzzle to find the cache. A night cache, which I think is the coolest of all the ones I read about, is one that is a multi-stage but is intended to be found at night. So using reflectors and a flashlight, it helps you find the, the cache location. Uh, and it's just, so it's so cool. I wish I could find one nearby. I will continue to look for that. Mm -hmm. Check that off the bucket list. And there are virtual caches, which are um, where the coordinates are the same sort of thing as a traditional cache, but instead of finding an, a physical box, it's just a landmark or a plaque or a code or something like that. So you don't have to actually open anything. And then uh, general, I just also want to touch on how geocaches are received. So reception from authorities and the general public outside of geocache participants has been mixed to hostile, according to this Wikipedia article, which is where I got all this information from. <laughs> Caches have been approached by police and questioned as to why they were seen as acting suspiciously. So to, like you said, having your phone out instead of following it around is kind of weird. Although now- I was super sus when I was walking around geocaching. <laughs> Although I think, like, with Pokemon Go, kind mm, of yeah. has sort of maybe removed that. Like, the blow. <laughs> yeah, I think people are just like, oh, you're just playing some sort of weird game. Yeah. Right. Other times, yeah. investigations of cash locations after sus suspicious activities reported have resulted in police and bomb squad discoveries of the geocache. So they see someone hiding this suspicious box and people around it, and then they find this weird box, and then it's, you know, sort of sketchy. Imagine um, how embarrassing that would be. Yeah. It's <laughs> like... It's, it's a game for children, sir, officer. Um, it's a game for everyone. Jesus. It is. 
And then I just wanted to quickly mention this other thing that came up in my research called Munzee, which is a freemium scavenger hunt game where QR codes are found in different locations around the world. And this game is similar to geocaching, but uses QR code technology in addition to GPS location. So that's a nice way of doing it. Again, not like touching anything or opening anything, um, but just a, a cool way to, to find things. All right, Jude, now it's time for... Five check! Woo! Uh, woo. What did we, okay, so we're going to talk about what we thought going into geocaching, how we actually did, and then, like, how we would put ourselves, like, are we, like, ex- were we experts going into geocaching? Were we novices that never leave their houses and, you know, work an office job? And so what did you think, what, what was your initial experience, I guess, going into ge- this geocaching adventure? So for me personally, I've actually been an accidental geocacher before. So in university, there was a small geocache on campus that we discovered on it after uh, a night at the pub. Um, we opened it. We all wrote our names in it. We occasionally just checked to see if it was still there. And then a couple of years after I graduated, we were back in town visiting some friends. We were up at the university and it was still there. And the logbook with my name in it was actually still there as well. So it wasn't that well visited because I've been several years in between but it was kind of a cool kind of cool thing to do but outside of that I've never actively done geocaching I wasn't really sure how hard it was going to be to get into I wasn't really sure if there were even going to be anywhere I live I mean I live in a city but it's not a huge city and it's I a live, town it's a city uh, and we we um, live kind of in the urban more urban area of it so mm. I wasn't sure how easy to be find to find one so Cautiously yeah. optimistic was my vibe going in. Yeah, I had um, I had a few friends who I knew were into it end of high school, early university. So that would be probably about five to six years after the original GeoCat. Nope, 10 years. Wow, I'm young. Math. Uh, math, who does it? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> and I knew that they were into it and they were all really outdoorsy people. So they would be like a hiking experience. Mm. Like, I don't know. There must be a geocache on the Chief, because I think that that was a conversation, sure. or there was at some point. So it was all, like, really hiking-based and, like, outdoorsiness, and I, <laughs> I'm i not super outdoorsy. And by outdoorsy, I mean, like, I don't love walking around in a forest. I love urban exploring. I love going and getting a coffee somewhere. I like being outside, but, like, nature is not really my vibe. So I was worried that this was going to have me, like, trolling through and my poor roommates were going to have to witness me being miserable in a forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But then it wasn't like, like, and I also was kind of nervous about uh, getting into it as well, because when you like ever talks about how it's GPS and some of the older articles are like pre-smartphone. So you would have had to actually use GPS tracking. Like you would have used your car GPS or something like that to actually find them. But honestly, with the app, it's so easy. Like, it's so easy to get into. And then, so I was really wowed. I was really wowed by it. I feel like I was, I've been super positive from the get-go because I actually really enjoyed this hobby. Yes, you did. But I would say I was, I, I don't know if you could be negative novice. Maybe dunce is the best option. But that was my experience level going in was like nature and also ugh, finding things. But yeah, I, I don't know. I thought, I thought we did, I thought we did great because like you do like nature, right? Uh, more than you for sure yeah you you've like been outside but yeah i i thought not only did we do well on it though we kind of we kind of rocked it i i was shocked by how much fun i had with it and just yeah i was able to play it multiple places so when i first found it i literally just opened up the app while i was picking up beer and we just went to the park and there was geocache there and then i leashed up my uh my cat toro that sunday 
And I walked in while we geocached, which was great because cats don't walk super well. And I'm literally like staring at my phone trying to find which way I'm going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was really enjoyable. And I, I had the most fun doing multiple at a time. I don't know how you were because then I kept being like, I'm just going to do one more. I'm just going to do one more. I'm just, and like you just get kind of hyped on it and you like keep flipping those little apps to smiley faces. Or I did not find one. But I noticed a few days ago that it was actually removed. So it's important if you don't find the geocache to report it and also don't feel bad about it. Because mm-hmm. like Caitlin was saying in the history, things do happen to geocaches. They get run over by mowers. They get pulled, taken down for whatever reason. Muggles get into them. And I could just decide how long I wanted to do it. I could put on music or a podcast, walk around. I could do it with friends. But honestly, I really enjoyed doing it solo. And I just found it really bizarrely thrilling to find any of the geocaches. Yeah. Especially if you could like root around for them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, we... Did find we tried to find two, um, so we went to a park that we normally walk the dog in. We at least I at least took my dog to take on my geo crashing adventure, and went to a park that we often go to. Um, and there was quite a few geocaches there. And the first one we looked for took us on a path that we'd never been on before. We went to that park probably a hundred times, never taken this path, never really noticed it. So that was really nice. We couldn't find that geocache, so. Sadly, we had to sad face it, um, but then there were a couple other options. So we found the next one, which was a little off the path, but again, not super hard to find. And the thrill was definitely there, especially after not finding the first one. We found the next one, and there were several other ones in the park that we could have continued to look for if we'd had more time. So, yeah. Oh, the failure, the like finding one after you failed to found one is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I would definitely say this is a great thing to, it is definitely something you want to have time to do. Like I wouldn't try to be like, put this in, you've got 20 minutes to find a geocache. I mm-hmm. found it more enjoyable when I, like I had a Sunday morning, I leashed, like, and I went on like a three hour walk, which I would never do unless I'm going somewhere, which I find with COVID is really hard to be going somewhere. Absolutely. So shall we discuss our seven points? Yes, let's. So for every hobby that we do, we are going to discuss seven key points that we think are important to consider and look at when looking at hobbies and looking at new hobbies. The first of which is the cost. So with everything going on in the world, make sure we're we're sticking to the budget. Uh, And for for geocaching, it was basically free. You do need a smartphone or GPS, which generally, at least in North America, I feel like most of us do have. And you do need access to data and or the internet, preferably data. The basic app is free, the geocaching app. Um, the app itself only gives you access to the traditional caches. So the ones that are just, here's the coordinates. For anything like the puzzle caches, I'm not sure if there are, are night caches or not. I should probably check. But it's just the traditional caches that you have access to. Anything else is part of the premium version of the app, which I believe is $5 a month. So if you're really into geocaching and you want to mix it up, that really is, it's, less, it's like half the price of Netflix. But that is something to, to keep in mind. The website version of geocaching.com does give you access to all of those things for free. I mean, you can pull the coordinates from there. So if you can put the coordinates into your maps or to a different program on your phone, you don't need the geocaching app. And then you just have to go back into the website after you're done to click that you found it. But yeah, other than that, there's no cost. You just need some shoes of some sort. I would recommend a water and your phone. Pretty inexpensive as far as hobbies go. It's great. It was a great one to kick off with. Absolutely. Uh, and all, I, the next point is enjoyment and ease of use. So it's super easy to use. It's super easy to geocache. You, like I said, you download the free app, you go geocaching. You could literally set it up and by the time we're reviewing it and be ready to go. It's super enjoyable. It's safe outdoors time. You can decide how long you want to 
how you long you want to go, how far you want to go. As you, as we kind of mentioned above, finding caches is super fun. Kind of like that video game achievement vibe. Yes, like you get yes. a little rush of endorphins. So yeah, super easy to use and super enjoyable. Next is the uh, coveted nicheness of the hobby, which I am better at saying than Judas. Yes. Um, and I would say I would rank this as a mid-range as, as far as nicheness goes. So a lot of people have heard of geocaching. There were people I mentioned it to who kind of looked at me and was like, what is geocaching? But generally people had heard of it, but it was generally second, third, fourth, or fifth hand knowledge. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk to anyone who was like, oh, I love geocaching. It's awesome. Yeah. So it is out there. It is in the common sort of knowledge sphere. But not a lot of people have done it. So you still have that sort of niche edge. Yeah, I, weirdly enough, I thought this was like a super well-known hobby to get into. And I was kind of shook by how many people I talked to at work who were like, what is geocaching again? Didn't you know? Uh, I think it definitely had a heyday probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, when smartphones became more widely available and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's, this is a perfect time to revive it. Anyways, let's talk about the usability of the app and the accessibility of it. So there are some caches that are not super accessible. Like we, we were talking about before, there are definitely caches that exist in like a hiking style setup. So if you can't, if you're not comfortable hiking, then I wouldn't recommend those caches. That being said, there's lots of geocaches that are easy to access just by the nature of the guidelines. Kind of like I was mentioning before, ones that are based in the urban areas because they have to get over the private public policies it means that they're just like oftentimes mine were just off the sidewalk or like attached to a waist high sign a lot of them are specific for bus lines so if transit is something you're comfortable with at this time you can also drive to them pretty easily as well and i would say if you have accessibility needs i try it out looking in your neighborhood and there's also a difficulty rating within the app so it will let you know Mm -hmm. so stick to the one 1.5s those are all the ones i found they were generally, again, accessible off from the sidewalk. And honestly, for usability, super easy to use. It's good for you. Go outside, breathe fresh human air. It's a weird thing to say, like, this hobby definitely, you can't give it to someone as a gift, but I think it, it will really improve your life generally <laughs> to just go and do some geocaching, especially right now. Uh, so speaking of, you know, doing it with other people and, and sharing with it, or sharing the, the hobby, we'll talk a little bit about the community as well. So for geocaching, I thought there was a pretty good community. In the app and the website itself, there is sort of a built-in community with people commenting. When you hit the smiley face that you found it, you can write a little bit about your experience or what you thought. If you couldn't find it, you can also write a little bit. So there is that little bit of community there. And then from what I understand, in the area that I live in, prior to COVID days, there was sort of a very active Facebook group. Um, so you, it does have quite a strong community in that sense. There also is a sort of real life experience of opening a cache and opening the logbook and seeing that someone else had been there. So the one that we found, there had been someone there the same day. So even though we didn't physically see them or interact with them, it was just that feeling of being a part of something bigger, that sort of like a secret club almost, has that sort of fun community feel. And then I know you found at your work, although there were people who didn't know about geocaching, weren't there some people who also did know about geocaching? Yeah, so my work is like a millennial vibe work. So we have Slack, so we have a random channel. And I just kind of dropped in being like, hey, does anyone have any good geocaching ideas? And quite a few people commented back being like, this is a great area. I've done it once and I really enjoyed this place. Recommendations, fact about geocaching. Apparently there's one in Sally Park that is like the first geocache that happened in BC. And that was really great. Because it not only was like solid community building, but there were like managers in there. There were like baby accountants. 
there's sort of a range, which I really enjoy whenever I talk to people from work, is, is multiple people at multiple levels being able to kind of come together and, and feel that community. So the next up is our relaxation level, which I think geocaching is fantastic for that because it's like a super pick-your-own-adventure for relaxation. Do you find hiking relaxing? Geocaching will probably be relaxing for you. If you don't find it relaxing, but you still want to do it, you probably find it pretty rewarding. Do you like an urban stroll? Do you like moving 500 meters a day? It's like geocaching is a super chill hobby. You get to pick where you want to go. Again, there's difficulty ratings for where it is and also how hard it is to find it. And it gets you outside and breathing air and seeing sunlight and setting your own pace. And we all know those things are really good for anxiety and depression is just sort of like moving your body and having a goal I find in this like very like, again, you look at a little rush of endorphins for finding the geocache and I just found it super relaxing. Yeah, I did find it fairly relaxing. I did get kind of frustrated the very first one we tried to find, we couldn't find. And that was frustrating. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, I do know that I do get a little frustrated when I can't find things. But that being said, I was being frustrated at a beautiful park on a beautiful day. And like you said, I also was super aware that there were other geocaches in the park. So when I couldn't find this one, after like looking for 10 minutes, I just was like, you know what? Reset, new goal, let's go find it. Without our losses, it's hard for us to gauge our gains. Okay, thanks for that. And speaking of things that we need to be relaxed from, so our seventh point is COVID friendliness or quarantine friendliness. So with the current pandemic, always looking for new and exciting things to do to mix mix it up. You know, there's only so many Netflix specials one can watch at a time. So I would say that geocaching is pretty good as far as COVID goes. Um, it's outside. It's generally in areas that you can get to and not super close to people, lots of social distancing space if you're in a big park or even on the street generally. And most of the area, or both of us were able to access geocaches in areas without taking transit. I didn't even have to get into my car, which is quite nice, especially when it was nicer out. As we go into winter, maybe a little bit less nice, but you know, still doable. When you do find a cache, if you are opening it to write your name in it, you do are you are touching things that other people have touched. That being said, you know, pretty much all of us have hand sanitizer with us at all times these days. So just a quick sanitizer I think is is more than enough personally. However, you can generally take a photo of the geocache and submit that as your proof you found it as well if you don't want to touch anything. So that's good. So yeah, overall, I would say it's pretty, pretty COVID friendly. Jude, what do you think? I absolutely agree. I think that right now it's really important for us to feel good in COVID. And this is a really nice feel good COVID friendly moment. It's, it's tough out there. Like be kind to yourself. And this is a really nice way of being kind to yourself. And I don't know about you, but I've been pacing my block for the last, like, six years. <laughs> no, <laughs> six months. And I got, I was bored of it. Like, and so, like, kind of like you're saying in the park, being able to find a new path to take, somewhere new to go, changing up that routine, because routines are just so stuck right now for me. But here is our unofficial point number eight. Is this your new niche hobby? Is it yours? Uh, I'm going to give it a solid maybe. It was fun. I did mm. enjoy the goal outside. I'm going to change it up as we talked about, change up what we're normally doing. That being said, you know, it does involve you like remembering to pull your app out. And if you want to find new geocaches, finding new places to go, which is not a bad thing. It just, you know, it takes, it means being a little more mindful of where you're walking, which at the same time is probably a good thing. And having a goal that is achievable, is very comforting in this time of like incredible raised uncertainty so yeah i would say i would say solid maybe solid maybe i haven't done any more geocaching since the one i did for this episode 
but I also have been working with a crazy person and haven't really been walking that beat. So uh, now that things are starting to calm down, I think I'll definitely explore some more. Yeah, I, I, again, I was really positive this whole time. I absolutely love this hobby. I've gone geocaching since our sort of trial run. I did it on my lunch breaks. I open up the app when I'm out just to see if there's any caches nearby while I'm doing something because now going out is sort of a thing for me. Like it's a big thing. And overall, I just think it's been something really lovely to do. You're going for a walk. You should already be going. You take a photo if you want, wash your hands, be healthy, and just like get outside and feel kind of better about yourself. So I loved it. And I'm definitely going to keep geocaching. So I'd say that concludes our episode on geocaching so for more information links including the link to the geocaching website we talked about or to support the show go to friendswithnichehobbies.com if you have a niche hobby you'd like us to try email us at friendswithnichehobbiespodcast at gmail.com oh my gosh you should also add us at instagram at friendswithnichehobbiespodcast friends with niche hobbies i don't know what our tag is <laughs> is it friends with, it's, i made it it's friends with niche hobbies take us at friends with niche hobbies what you found in your geocache and we'll put it in our story but also you should be awesome to each other and wear a mask and wash your hands. Bye. Absolutely. Bye. I don't think Blair Witch doll recreation is a hobby. Don't don't get in your own way. Okay. Oh. I'm well, this is who I am now. Don't tell mom. <laughs> <laughs>